0: Yay, yay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that desperately need a haircut so
1: bad. What are you doing? Why'd you have to bring the yay-yay back, <laughs> man?
0: That's how I start the, the show, bro. Since
1: when? I don't know. You haven't, you haven't You're done right. the yay-yay in, yay in, a, in a while. You're right. Just like we stopped doing frisky at the end ever since you changed your Twitter name. Yeah, because I
0: have a new Twitter catchphrase. Handle. It's yeah. see what we did there.
1: Yeah, I know. I noticed that too. You know, I see you, what you do there. You got
0: <laughs> 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 don't change the subject from the fact that your guys' haircuts are horrendous right now. This is blowing my mind, dude.
1: Like... It's quarantine. Are the Do you know if the barber shops are open? Like, maybe they're, they're by appointment now. No, no, right? They're not. They're
0: not. They're not open. Yeah, but they got people like people who really need haircuts really badly you get people to
1: come to their houses. Yeah, man. Yo, I'm gonna have to start Skyping soon, and it's gonna it's not gonna be pretty.
0: You, do you know what you need to do, Jason? Since you're going to be Skyping with lawyers, you need to just take mad gel and just throw the whole thing in backwards. Like um, like the guy from American Psycho. Yeah, fucking that's not Jason, what's Jason Bateman style. Just, like, fucking do it.
1: Yeah. You Honestly, like, my hair's long enough to maybe... No, it's really not. You look say, mad like,
0: really lawyer right now, though. If you put no, some I gel don't. in that, though... Look at that. You look like a fucking... <laughs> look like, like a, a lo- buffoon. Lo- you look a lawyer as fuck right now, Jason.
1: No, I look like a European soccer player. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um jason's jason and michael's haircuts are definitely a bust today we have an exciting episode for you guys like thereof. it's our early season bust and sleepers episode with special guest kyle richardson joining us on the real recognized real hotline um he one of a, a plethora of guests that we have had on during the offseason you know how we do in terms of offseason guests so we're excited to have kyle richardson so without any further ado let's get it started <laughs> Welcome back to the Broto Fantasy Football podcast presented by brotofantasy.com. I'm your host Tim Petrop with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So I should mention that our intro music, I I bop with that intro music. That is actually the background music for uh, a single by Johnny Petrop called uh, Faded and it is produced by DJ Ray Black. And uh and Johnny Petrop. So uh yeah. Just a little bit of a of a cheap plug right there for them. Fade it, fade it. A story in the house. Uh, I love that, but for to me that noise that don't 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 down, I, I I fuck with that OD. Oh, but anyway, um let's get into it. Let's get right into it because there's not really any news
1: going on, and when there's no news going on, we're gonna give you the Tim, news. Tim, I'm very surprised by you right now. Why? I'm very surprised by you, Tim. Because nice you're first. supposed to tell the people that we just recorded a podcast oh, for the patrons. I mean, I was gonna Brodo say Broto Jeopardy, the end,
0: but you know what? Let's do it.
1: Good. Go, ahead. go ahead, tell the people. Do you want to brag, or do you want me to brag for you? Um, I don't want it to be
0: ruined, but go Relax. to Relax. go to patreon.com/slash/brotofancy oh, to uh, get the extra episode. We just recorded it. We're gonna put it it's up. It's a right very, very close battle. <laughs> um, <laughs> it could have been a close battle, but all you need to know is I have my first appearance. On, I mean, it ended as a close battle on Jeopardy, and I may or may not have whooped Michael's candy ass. Let's just put it that way: may or may not have. Um, if you want to, if you want to support the show, please go to BotoFantasy and for that, we give you an extra episode with a ton more extras. Uh, go to our tiers to see exactly what extras we have. Like six bullet points per tier, so it's it's. Uh, it's fire extras that you can get there. Um, also, BrodoFantasy.com for everything Brodo Fantasy. Michael just dropped his second installment of his uh, breakdown of true values and what that means for the upcoming season. Um, true throw and true target value, of course, is a proprietary stat made by our very own Jason Petropoulos and curated by Michael and myself while Jason was was um, doing his lawyer thing, We were all definitely in that process uh, this this time around even though last year was like just completely jason um <laughs> so we appreciate you jason um yeah so brotofantasy.com. also follow us on twitter at brotofantasy if you want to hear our thoughts on joe mixon because we had a big twitter debate on joe mixon today we're going to get into joe mixon with kyle richardson who who saw our tweet today and said everyone prepare i will be on brotofantasy.com telling everyone why joe mixon is going to be drafted high and he's going to Get his fantasy value. We are curious to hear that because we are not Joe Mixon guys here by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, with that being said, busts and sleepers. Bo, yeah. Let's start off with uh, the <coughs> loser. <coughs> uh, I mean, uh, the person that we don't know the outcome for, Michael. Michael, let's start with the positive. Let's start with sleepers.
1: Who's someone that you think has the ability to be a sleeper going into the season this year? Listen, man, Timmy may or may not have won, right? It may or may not have been by one measly point, you know? So Um, let's just keep that in mind. (laughs) Final (laughs) jump. Back to the the purpose of this episode, though. First sleeper, I have to plug my own work here, folks. I'm going with Jack Doyle and the reason why can be found in the True Value Report Part 2. I love Jack Doyle. I'd love me some Jack Doyle this year, man. I love it. So go make sure to check that out because true value say he is a steal. Last season he was being drafted as tight end twenty three because Eric Ebron was also part of the squad. True target value at the end of the season was tight end twenty two, but he ended as tight end fifteen overall. So outperformed it by a pretty significant margin. He moves from Jacoby Brissett to Philip Rivers, four spot increase in true values. And Philip Rivers likes to throw to his tight end, as we've seen with Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates and company. Jack Doyle saw 68 targets in all of 2019 and ended as a tight end 15. Eric Ebron saw 52. Eric Ebron's gone. He's been shipped out. He's he's in Pittsburgh now. If Jack Doyle saw half of Eric Ebron's targets last season, so an extra 26 targets on top of his 68, his uh, expected true target value lands him as tight end 12 on the year. If you give him all of Ebron's vacated targets, he lines at 120 targets on the season and tight end six overall. Obviously, you can't really expect 120 targets, but somewhere in the 90 to 100 range isn't something crazy to think about as long as Jack Doyle stays healthy. His current ADP in FFPC drafts is tight end 19. So he has a ceiling of mid-range tight end one and a floor... Of basically tight end nineteen, so you're drafting him at his floor, which is always a good investment when it comes and when it comes to fantasy football, draft players where there is value, and Jack Doyle is just a huge value to me uh, coming into the season because, let's be real, Philip Rivers likes to throw to his tight ends. Uh, T.Y. Holton is always hurt. Paris Campbell, sure he's exciting, but who knows how he's going to, uh, if he's going to be able to stay healthy or have that big of an impact. Same with Michael Pittman Jr. as a rookie. So I think Jack Doyle is a very sneaky late tight end option this year.
0: I love, I love me some Jack Doyle this year. I really, I really feel like if you're not going tight end early in drafts this year, you tight, Jack Doyle is one of those guys who's going to give you maximum output, especially now with Phillip Rivers as his quarterback, like Michael said. Uh, Jason, uh, who is a sleeper for you coming into the season?
1: Yeah, I'll stay on the tight end bandwagon. Jack Doyle is also a favorite of mine, but I'm going to go with someone else: Janu Smith. Uh, this has everything to do with true values. Ryan Tannehill is a true value king. Last season, he ended number one, the most efficient thrower in terms of fantasy points in the NFL. The year before, he was sixth. So there's no fluke there. Tannehill, when he throws, produces points, even if it's limited. But that's also because they're in an offense with Derrick Henry, and that pass, uh, that play action game will open up things for Jonu Smith, especially near the red zone. Play action to. Derek Henry, little flip to Jonu Smith, and you got yourself six points. Um, also, there's not much behind A.J. Brown. Um, Corey Davis, we all know how we feel about Corey Davis. Adam Humphreys.
0: I mean, he's been released. Corey Davis is no longer a Titan, if I'm
1: not mistaken. It happened a couple months no, ago. No, they they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, he's still uh, on the team uh, this uh, year. Uh, my, bad. Mm-hmm. my bad. My so bad. So he's going to be released and not picked up. <laughs> Eventually. Um, Someone's going to pick him up, and then everyone's going to be like, oh, no, new situation. Corey Davis is real good now, and it's going to be really annoying. Um, so there's not much behind A.J. Brown. Johnu Smith has improved every season. He's entering his fourth year, uh, which is what you want for tight ends. It takes time for them to blossom. And last season, if you combine uh, Delaney Walker and Johnu Smith's stats, you got 56 receptions, 654 yards, and five touchdowns, which would have been a tight end one. So Johnu Smith.
0: Also, a spark monster. Uh, A guy who.
1: Sticking with tight ends, eh?
0: Like, really, really jumps off the board in terms of athleticism, in terms of ability, in terms of, like, how he looks on the field. Um, Let's go to the bust now, Michael. So, we got one sleeper. Now, let's transfer over. Who's one bust that you're looking at this year that's being drafted way too high right now? As you guys know, Michael actually works for the FFPC as their compliance officer, and he has an inside track on not really an inside track like I shouldn't say like that but he he sees all the drafts so he kind of knows where people are being drafted in FFPC drafts where what are you seeing right now that just
1: doesn't make sense to you so this this is what blows my mind tim i'm sticking with the tight ends here it's rob gronkowski oh boy rob gronkowski's ADP is absolutely hilarious to me people are just forgetting that last time he played the dude played 11 games He put up 680 yards and three touchdowns as a 29-year-old. He's now 31, just took a year off, got ridiculously skinny. Apparently, he's getting back into football shape and is joining a new team with Tom Brady. Also has Mike Evans. Also has Chris Godwin. Also has newly drafted Kayshawn Vaughn. Also has O.J. Howard. And people, do you know who's being drafted behind Rob Gronkowski at this moment? This is according to Fantasy Pros ADP. Thank Tyler you. Higby up. If you take Rob Gronkowski over Tyler Higby, you need to quit. That's <laughs> honestly how I feel about it. Austin Michael, Hooper, tell how you really feel, kid. Austin Hooper, Jared Cook, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Hayden Hurst, Dallas Goddard, Johnnie Smith, Jack Doyle. These are all tight ends who I think of a very, 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 very reasonable shot to surpass Rob Gronkowski's overall output this year. And Rob Gronkowski being drafted, he's being drafted in the eighth round. He's being drafted in the top 100 players in regular non-tight end premium leagues. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me the hype that Rob Gronkowski is getting. And I'm literally going to own zero shares of him because there's no way I go anywhere near him at his current ADP
0: just classic case of the name over the production being valued there. There is something to be said about him coming out of retirement to play for Tom Brady. I do believe that at least there's something to be said about that, but not enough to be said to make me want to draft him where he's being drafted right now. So I, I'm in agreement with you, Michael, Jason, who's your uh, bust Who's one of your busts?
1: I'll, I'll stay with Michael here again um, with Rob Gronkowski's former teammate, Julian Edelman. It's simple. If I took away the name, if I took away all the context, and I told you that a 5'10", 34-year-old, injury-prone wide receiver, who is near the top of the league and dropped passes every season, is now playing with a fourth-round quarterback who's never started a game, where would you want to draft?
0: It's (laughs) a little spinny. You're spinning it a little bit, but you make a great point with those spins because I was getting more and more. I was like, oh, It's
1: spinny, but it's True. That's it. That's all I have for this. Because uh, that's all I need to leave it at. The spin is real.
0: I think, I think when you're t- looking at Julian Edelman, you have to also consider like Tom Brady. He was a favorite of Tom Brady. He was the only weapon on the field last year. I mean, he's still going to be the only weapon on the field. They haven't added anyone in terms of wide receivers, but you don't know what his, his chemistry is going to be like with Jared Stidham. You don't know about his health. Um, he is 30, going into his 34 year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots are kind of tanking this year. And
1: I I don't want to have any Patriots players on my team.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be hard for the Patriots offense to make moves, especially because, look as as much as people for some reason forget the Jets were six and two in their final eight games last year, the Jets defense is getting C J Mosley back. They made hardcore upgrades at at cornerback. Uh, they drafted some edge players. They have a they have a very good defense. Of course, you know Jamal Adams in the middle of that mix. The Bills have a top five defense. And the Dolphins have have made a lot of upgrades in their defenses in their defense. So playing in a division that is not going to be the easiest for a guy in his first year, even if he has the best uh, offensive coordinator head coach combo in the league in Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. Um, Michael, let's go back to the sleepers. Who do you got for your second sleeper?
1: My second sleeper. I feel like if you ask me. Anyone in this world asks me someone I'd love in the fantasy football world, it would be Robert Woods. So that's what I'm going here with here, Robert Woods, because I just find his uh, ADP just too juicy to pass up. I wrote an article on May 22nd, Cooper Cup versus Robert Woods, which Rams wide receiver should you be drafting first? Go super in depth about their change in personnel usage and uh, how it affected Cup and Robert Woods. Just to Really recap cup was a sixth fantasy receiver in the first 10 weeks. Robert Woods was 25th overall. So even in the first 10 weeks, Robert Woods was still productive. Uh, was just barely was on the dub was on the wide receiver two wide receiver three uh, right there. And then after that weeks, 11 through 16 Robert Woods was inactive week 11, the surprise inactive where Jason got screwed over because he was losing by only a few points and had Robert Woods in his lineup. Screwed over. Screwed over big time and didn't have a replacement. After that game, because that game they used 12 personnel more than ever in Sean McVay's offense, and it was successful, over 50% of the plays, higher than 11 personnel that game, their offense completely changed. I don't want to go through the whole article right now, but from weeks 13 to 17, Robert Woods was the fifth overall fantasy receiver saw 12 targets a game. During that time, they increased their uh, 12 personnel tremendously. They went up to over 40% of snaps in weeks 13, 14, 16, and 17, which is what the wins. Uh, and their only loss was to the 49ers by three. The other two games, they got blown out and were passing the entire game. In those games, 56% of the snaps Cooper Cup saw the field, 94% Robert Woods. He is an elite run blocker for a wide receiver. He's uh, and it was showed last year, which is why he was on the field. He's shown it every year in the league. He's every single game last season. He played 90 percent or more of the snaps as long as he was healthy. We're looking at a guy who basically turned himself into the number one option in the offense. A pretty high powered offense. And he's going as the 18th wide receiver off the board. Who only scored two touchdowns last season, too. Like he was the fifth overall wide receiver. In the last five weeks, I don't even know. I'm not even sure when he scored his touchdowns. Either one touchdown or zero touchdowns during that time, and he was the fifth overall receiver because he saw so many targets. I love Robert Woods this season. I'm all over him. He's due for some touchdown aggression as well. Catching 90 balls and only scoring twice is pretty nuts. So give me Robert Woods all day, all night. It's
0: going to be interesting. I think... I mean, I like Cooper Cup. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, blah. Robert Woods. And I think one thing you didn't even mention is the amount of vacated targets you're gonna get with the loss of Brandon Cooks. Um, it's all about personnel, in terms of, I'm sorry, personnel um, decisions on the McVay side, an offensive scheme in terms of this because Cooper Cup's gonna be one person that I'm probably gonna stay away from in drafts this year just because of the unknownness. Of whether he's going to be on the field a lot or not. Like, does he move to the outside now that uh, that what's his name is gone? Brandon Cooks. Um, does Robert Woods get more of the role? Does Tyler Higby, who was the number one overall fantasy player during the time where he saw the field last year, number one overall? Overall, people are really not not understanding how good Tyler Higby was at the end of the year last year. Um, but, yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think that Robert Woods, regardless of all that, is going to be uh, undervalued. It's going to be interesting to see Cooper Cup. Jason, who's a sleeper on your list? Sleeper number two.
1: Yeah, I'm going with a deeper wide receiver Jason, here. Jason, just because
0: you're giving me your sleeper doesn't mean you have to be sleepy. Yeah. And it's not a sleepy number two. You yawn. don't have to yawn
1: during this time. I'm going with a deeper wide receiver here. Um Justin Jefferson. I'm not a big rookie wide receiver guy, but we all know that Stefan Diggs left Minnesota. And I could easily put Stefan Diggs.
0: Stefan Diggs left Minnesota?
1: On the bust list. (laughs) I didn't, but Stefan Diggs is also a bust in my eyes in Buffalo. But with him gone, there's over 100 targets um, left over. And basically, Adam Thielen is the only guy there. Adam Thielen is getting near 30. He's dealt with back issues. Those can always pop up again. And Justin Jefferson is a slot receiver. He was a slot receiver in college. Kirk Cousins has always loved his slot receivers. When Jamison Crowder and Cousins were in Washington together, they had a great connection there. Who's going to challenge Justin Jefferson? Laquan Shredwell. And Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He was 14th in true throw value in 2018, 7th in 2019. There's targets available there, and they're valuable targets. So I, I'm going to take a nice eonder at Justin Jefferson. At the end of drafts this year, I believe you got you drafted Justin Jefferson too yesterday in the FFPC draft. I did, I did a draft last night. We tweeted it, uh, so go check that out. We put up a screenshot, maybe I'll maybe do a write up on it as well. Um, we've been doing that when we do FFPC drafts. But I put my money where my mouth is and right now Justin Jefferson is someone I wanna grab late. So I did yesterday. Speaking yeah. of sleepers, what's that's good? interesting, especially because you're not typically a rookie wide receiver guy.
0: We said this to Jason Moore when he came on. Like usually you stay away from rookie wide receivers, at least stay away from drafting them until they take that next step because they usually take six, seven weeks to, to develop in an offense. But when you have this many rookie rookie receivers drafted this high, you figure that a couple of them are gonna make a right away impact, kinda like in the in the vein of Terry McLaurin last year rather than rather than AJ Brown who followed you know the, the usual path
1: even if it takes some time I definitely think Justin Jefferson is going to be in starting lineups this season
0: um speaking of sleepers what's good with your bed and why it doesn't have sheets on it in the background what's up with that guys cleaning, uh, guys cleaning sheets
1: yeah okay my girlfriend's dog is here little five-pound Yorkie and unfortunately he had a tick in him um oh no so we took it out and we cleaned all the sheets and stuff. We found it early, but so now we got him a T collar, a tick collar. What the fuck's a T collar?
0: Ticks in Highlands not something you hear a lot.
1: Yeah, it was probably. I mean, there's a bunch of like grassy areas outside of here that people haven't mm. worked on because of Corona and stuff. Nice.
0: So. Right, I mean, yeah. not nice. Yeah, Lyme disease, no bueno. <laughs> probably cool. He just got his
1: Lyme disease vaccine, so no worries. All right, good. Very cute dog, little five pound Yorkie.
0: His ears are always perky, and his tongue is always out. <clears throat> Michael, let's go over to boosts. Who's your boost, man?
1: My bust is someone I feel like you're not going to agree with here. It's David Johnson. I mean, just because David Johnson
0: led me to a glorious championship a few years ago doesn't mean I'm not realistic about him five years later. Four years the later. reason
1: it's David Johnson is because why in your right mind would you spend a fourth-round pick on a running back Who has been bad for three years in a row. The last time he was good was in 2016. And I understand he was ridiculously good in 2016. But he was also ridiculously bad last season. And equally as bad the year before. Like 3.6 yards per carry, 3.7 yards per carry. 50 receptions in 2018 down to 36 receptions last year. And when was the last time a Houston running back was a really impactful fantasy player? What, Arian Foster? I mean, Duke Johnson's still there. Who knows if he's going to steal work from him. But, dude, I just don't see how... Like, he's just going to be the typical Houston Texans running back who's probably going to get, like, 10 to 15 rushes, and maybe he'll get you 8 to 12 points a game. But is that someone you really want to spend the fourth-round pick on? I just think it's absurd that David Johnson is being drafted so high. Maybe it's because so many people are trying to draft running backs super high at the moment. But I, I just think drafting a running back who hasn't been good since 2016 is a terrible, terrible idea.
0: I think, like, you know my my theory about following the money. You know that theory. Well, you could follow also you could also follow the money in terms of, like, they traded their money player for him, and they're looking for a running back to be part of that offense. He's going to be a workhorse in Bill O'Brien's system. So if he stays healthy, he has a great chance to succeed. So, I mean, a fourth-round pick for me is not the worst thing you can do in the world for David Johnson. If it was in the second, third round, then I understand. But, I mean, if you already have two workhorse receivers and, let's say, like a stud tight end or a stud wide receiver, like you can can take a shot on David Johnson as your starting flex player and then take more shots on a couple of tight ends and receivers in the later round. So I'm
1: not – I'm not... He's just straight-up sucked for years, so no thanks. I you.
0: mean, last year he didn't suck-suck when he played. He, he, just, he just wasn't fit for that si- system. Anyway, he um, sucked. also, he had the most inside runs of any running back in the league two years ago in that Steve Wilkes offense, so let's not forget about that. Uh, Jason, uh, are we at bust? Busty. We're at bust.
1: Yeah, we're busting. We're busting, kid. Uh... I'm going to direct you to Michael's True Value Report Part 1 on Brotofantasy.com. if you go to articles and go to True Value Report Part 1 because I believe that Mike Evans is going to be a bust this year. Uh, Tom Brady was 27th in true throw value last season. He really fell off a cliff, and he's just not the same player anymore, and he hasn't had an outside guy, I get it, since Randy Moss, but he also hasn't really thrown to outside guys since Randy Moss. He's relied on the Wes Welkers and Julian Edelman's and Mike Evans is an outside guy. Um, if you took Tom Brady's true throw value last season and applied it to Mike Evans, he would have been wide receiver 19. Uh, the Bucks are better this year. He's probably going to have less – Tom Brady's going to throw less times than Jameis Winston, one, because their defense can going to be better, two, because he's not going to be throwing interceptions every, everywhere, and three, because he's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston. Uh, Tom Brady likes his slot wide receivers, Chris Godwin, and running backs more than uh, – Keyshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones are probably be um, a big part of the offense. He likes them a lot more than Jameis Winston did. And then Gronk followed uh, Tom Brady to Tampa, too. And I don't expect Gronk to have a great season, but he's there. And he, the where he'll probably have an impact is the red zone. And that's where you'd want Mike Evans' big body outside to have an impact, in the red zone. So there's just a lot of downward arrows for Mike Evans, and I'm staying away from him.
0: I know you guys are on the avoid Mike Evans train. Um, I got to say, man, if your reason for it is that Tom Brady doesn't support a number one wide receiver, you have to ask yourself, when's the last time you had a true number one wide receiver?
1: I that's really, one I, of like 75 different reasons. I, I okay, This that's, guy just ignored what I said. Nah, I, 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 I mentioned your argument.
0: No, I mean, I'm just saying the opposite, all right? That's why we're here, to give people things to think about all right jason mr autocrat over there what do you what are you over there want to be a dictator what is this
1: the aristocats
0: um michael this is your last your final bust correct
1: final sleeper final
0: sleeper let's get it
1: final sleeper dj shark do 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 dj shark dj shark dj shark's adp is a little mind-boggling to me i think people just aren't buying into it uh, he is the fifty. He's going as the fifty seventh player off the board right now, which is round five or six as the uh, the twenty fifth overall receiver according to Fantasy Pros. DJ Chark, as a twenty two year old sophomore, put up a thousand yards and eight touchdowns on seventy three receptions. This is a guy who was a top ten overall receiver through the first half of the year last year. Then came the Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles is back. Let's play Nick Foles. He kind of sucked with him. Then Gardner Minshew came back. He got hurt a little bit in Week 14. The last couple of weeks of the season, he he uh he missed Week 15, then Week 16 and 17. He was clearly clearly messed up. He had 18 yards and 34 yards in those two games. So if you could have a wide receiver with top five wide receiver overall ability, why wouldn't you want that in the fifth or sixth round? DJ Chark is one of the main reasons why I love uh going rb early this season because if you get a guy like dj chark after uh after going rbrb like say you get kamara and aaron jones and then you could go get dj chark in like the fifth round that would be amazing and he had a he had a real connection with gardner Minshew, who was the starting quarterback when dj chark was a top 10 overall uh producing wide receiver and now he's going into his third season as a 23 year old just gonna grow even further I think DJ Chark is ready to have a very big season and I think people are sleeping on him a little too much.
0: I am going to be definitely <clears throat> I'm going to be definitely going into these years drafts from the looks of it as wide receiver late all day, every day, and every single draft that I'm doing. It's gonna be my main focus this year. Um, Jason, who's your last sleeper?
1: My last sleeper, I'm going very deep because it's someone that I'm probably gonna grab. Um, with one of my last picks in every draft, Russell Gage. Right now, he's the wide receiver 93. Look, after the Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu, Russell Gage was seeing seven targets a game. He had PPR appeal. We were playing in some deep leagues with PPR where I was throwing Russell Gage as my wide receiver three or flex towards the end of last season. Julio Jones is 31 years old now, has had injuries in the past. The Falcons lost Austin Hooper. We can't expect Hayden Hurst to just fill that void. Uh, not def- definitely not in the same way that Hooper did, she means there's going to be passes to go around. Russell Gage is going to be on the field potentially more if a player gets injured ahead of him. And there's definitely some bi week fill in upside, a bi week fill in potential with upside for more.
0: Man, deep sleeper there, but I mean, can't help but agree with you, especially because
1: another I- guy Jason drafted in the best ball draft yesterday. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's. A good I pick. stand by what I say. That's one stuff. of
0: those. Yeah, that's one of those picks that might really turn out being like a, especially if his touchdown numbers are up there. Like I, I can, is, does a thousand yards and six touchdowns seem like super out of the question for Russell Gage at this point? I don't
1: think it does. He um, might be one of those people who you just randomly see ended as like wide receiver thirty.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that, Michael. Uh, your final bust, bro.
1: My final bust is a guy I'm probably going to own zero shares of, and that is Leonard Fournette. I'm not afraid to own zero Yo, shares of guys that I know are going to be bad picks.
0: Has anyone's stock in the league period fallen more this offseason than Leonard Fournette? Dude, it but seems I still like see the it. entire narrative around him after his after his best year of all time is that he sucks. It seems like the entire narrative around him this year.
1: I saw an article today telling people why they should draft Leonard Fournette. I hope everyone I draft against reads it, dude. This guy had the second. Most snaps of any running back last year, the seventh most carries, the fourth most targets, and he ended as the running back nine and a half PPR. Like that's just trash to begin with. To have the second most opportunities, seventh in carries, fourth in targets. On top of that, this dude caught seventy six passes. He didn't even catch sixty passes overall his first two seasons in the league. That's going to drop. They just drafted Chris Thompson as well. Seven dropped passes last year, only scored three touchdowns. People are going to say, oh, that's that's a reason why he's going to play better, dude. But the guy was just not an effective red zone runner. And he just wasn't good, period. Like Leonard Fournette year in and year out just has not been as productive. People want him to be his yards per attempt last year, 4.3. His sophomore year, 3.3. His rookie season, 3.9. I just don't and and the Jaguars just denied his fifth year option. They basically said, "Hey Leonard, thanks for your time. After this season, you're out of here." And like to not even pick up the fifth year option is saying we don't want you anymore. They they were shopping him and no one was interested. Yeah, he just was not good last season. It was all of his production was 100% volume based. And that's I'm not going to be touching Leonard Fournette because I don't see that volume being there again as much as it was last season. Even if it's 80% of that volume, he's probably going to end up being a bad pick at, in the second, third round where I see him going. So Leonard Fournette's someone I'm I'm going to completely avoid until unless something drastically changes with this ADP because there is way too many red flags that people just seem to be ignoring.
0: Jason, finish this off, bro, before we welcome. I will Coward finish, finish
1: it off. Uh, mine is a general one here. DJ Moore and company, Um, the Panthers, besides Christian McCaffrey, the first overall player. So if I do not have the first pick, I will not be drafting a Carolina Panther. Teddy Bridgewater is the reason why. There's a lot of mouths to feed. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, Christian McCaffrey is going to see his targets. There's too many quarterbacks. There's too many weapons for a not good quarterback to make these people relevant. And DJ Moore is being drafted as a back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I just don't see how that can happen. And you can talk about how Michael Thomas performed um, with Teddy Bridgewater last season, but that's a completely different offense. That's a completely different player. I know DJ Moore has some potential, but don't tell me he's better than Michael. He's at Michael Thomas' level. So I'm staying away from all Panthers, and I will probably get more in-depth as to why moving forward as we get closer to the season. But Teddy Bridgewater is the reason.
0: Teddy Bridgewater, historically, even when he was a starter and he was a first-round pick and highly touted with the Vikings before his injury, um, was not someone who took the ball to the air a lot. Um, And he has a bunch of speedy receivers now. It's going to be interesting because I think Matt Rule might be the X Factor because if he can find a way to make the speedy receivers work despite what teddy bridgewater lacks get them in open space get them like using their speed to get um some yards after the catch then i think that there is a a good possibility that maybe one or two of those guys could be all right but
1: but matt um, rule has also hopped around colleges and every time he goes to a new college that first year that team is awful okay so if, if it's similar this season in the nfl then that team's gonna be awful
0: okay well that's that's one way to look at it, they could be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. I think Trevor Lawrence would, you know, staying in Carolina, uh, staying in... I oh, wait, is Clemson in Carolina? Where is Clemson? Is it Alabama? Somewhere in the south. No, it's not Alabama. Clemson, I thought it was... Somewhere like, in that general area. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's somewhere in that general area. Not, not a big college football guy. But, uh... Kyle Richardson is going to be joining us on the Real Recognize Real hotline coming up. He is going to tell us. I'm surprised Joe Mixon was not in in one of your busts here. Um, But he's going to tell us why our hate for Joe Mixon is irrational. Can't wait to hear this. Uh, So when we come back, it is going to be us and Mr. Richardson. We are now welcoming on the Real Recognize Real hotline, Kyle Richardson. Michael, give the man the introduction.
1: Welcome Kyle. Kyle Richardson is a senior analyst for the fantasy headliners. Check out the fantasy headliners on YouTube. I think the biggest fantasy football uh, channel on YouTube, 81,000 subscribers, which is uh, quite a feat. Uh, And he also has, he developed a stat just as we did, dynamic running back rating. So he knows a little bit about creating stats, just as Jason does over here at True Value. So welcome, Kyle. Hey
2: man, appreciate. it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the first overall. We're we're a second to the fan uh, to the fancy footballers right now in terms of uh, independently owned channels. But I feel you know, like
1: that's just doesn't count.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're in a tier by themselves. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I get that. Then I'll work with that.
0: All right. So, um, I mean, Jason, why don't you start off the questioning? Because Kyle on Twitter today. Well, we had a little. There was a little. Uh, we. Jason, you tweeted something today on Twitter. They said, I feel like there's a secret society that is Joe Mixon truthers because we don't understand. So Jason, I'm gonna let you pose this question because Kyle said, Hey, Broto Fantasy, I'm coming on today and I'm telling you why to draft Kyle Richardson. So Joe Jason, Mixon. Joe Mixon. <laughs> uh, draft Kyle Richardson in your fantasy analyst league. And jo- draft yeah. Joe Mixon. Jason, tell tell the man, tell the man what's up, man.
1: All right, so I'm gonna just give you my spiel, and then I'm gonna sit back and listen to your, um, listen to your opinion with open ears and see if you could persuade me. Okay, I'm ready uh, to go. I gotta give a quick shout out to uh, Michelle Magic at Ball Blastom as well, because uh, she I got some stats from her that are very useful for Joe Mixon. So my first thing with Joe Mixon is that he's completely volume based back, right? Like we've seen in the past when he gets injured and Geo Bernard takes over, that offense doesn't miss a beat, and Geo Bernard's production doesn't miss a beat. So that right there tells me that he's a replaceable running back. So when people tell me about his talent, I question that from the start, and that doesn't really even get to his lack of production. If you look at the 29 running backs that had over 150 carries in 2019, he was 21st out of 29 in yards per carry, 11th in yards after contact, 19th in avoided tackles, 18th in breakaway percentage, 25th in yards per route run. Uh, If you look at the eight running backs who saw over 250 carries, He was 8th in yards per attempt, 6th in yards after contact, 7th in avoided tackles per attempt, 7th in breakaway runs. And then if you got to look at the offense, I know Jonah Jonah, um, Williams is going to play. He was injured last season, the rookie last year. But Joe Burrow is a rookie quarterback who took three years to develop. He didn't blossom until his fourth year in LSU. So for us to expect him to come into the NFL and blossom right away, I'm also questioning that. So I don't see the upside of Joe Mixon being taken as high as seventh overall, but now I'll sit back and listen to a different opinion with some, with an open mind.
2: <laughs> well, I'll say I'll say this: there, there's some things there I absolutely agree with. Okay, yeah, you can definitely make the argument that he's, you know, a little bit volume based, and that happens with a lot of running backs these days, though. But if he's getting the volume, isn't that a good thing? Don't we want running backs that are getting the volume? So even though maybe he is a little bit less efficient than some other running backs, we're drafting a guy that if he's on the field, he's getting the majority of the touches. Now, I, I would love to see them use him in the passing game more. I don't know if that's going to happen for sure, but we'll keep we'll keep an eye out on that. So yeah, right now his ADB does put him at the back into the first, maybe a little spicy for me. But the reason I just can't avoid him this year, and some of the things that you said that you got from Michelle, maybe they they might conflict a little bit. Um, I've got him, and most of my stuff is from Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Reference. Fifty-two avoided tackles overall last year for running backs. That's the fifth most for running backs. So he he still does a pretty good job even if it's not like an on-carry basis because of the workload he gets, he still does a pretty good job of avoiding those tackles. But he still had 1,137 yards, eighth most. He did have 29 runs of 10 or more yards. That was seventh most. Since 2017, when he came into the league as a rookie, 2,931 rushing yards. That's fourth most. And he has the fourth most carries over that time, 693. So kind of going back to that volume argument of, yeah, maybe he could be a little bit more efficient and that would be great, but he's getting the volume. And that's what we want from running backs these days. Like I want running backs on my team that I know are going to get touches because the more touches you have, the more opportunities you have. He did have 877 yards after contact, six most, six most. And then he did average 3.18 yards after contact per attempt While that wasn't great, when you look at the names around him, that was only 0.5 yards less than what Barkley, Zeke, and Eckler averaged last year. So when you're looking at those guys, two of those guys for sure locked in at the very top, that's great. He also, though, and again, we need the volume in the passing game. He isn't getting it. He has the eighth highest catch percentage among running backs with at least 100% 100 receptions since 2017. He's got an 80 80.6% receiving percentage right now. So, when he does get the work, he's pretty sure-handed. He's got a pretty good good grasp on the game there. The one the one stat that I absolutely love though, he had zero fumbles last year. He was one of three running backs with more than 200 attempts that had no fumbles. And Marlon Mack and Lindsey were the other ones. So those are a couple there that might surprise you. But I love that stat because not only is he getting the volume, he's protecting the volume as well. And one thing a lot of people forget, I think, about last year, he went out in the first half of week one against Seattle with an ankle injury and he didn't come back. And that may have been part of the problem. Not only may he have been a little bit hampered with an ankle injury, but then the offensive line was an issue. As you mentioned, three injuries to the offensive line last year before week one even happened, which include, as you said, first-rounder Jonah Williams. But pointing to another person on that line, left guard Michael Jordan, he was the youngest player on the roster last year. And I really like him to take a step forward and grow this year on the offensive line. So, I'm throwing a whole lot out there, but I told you I was bringing the heat with Joe Mixon (laughs) because I I got some love him, but I'm trying to convince everyone right now. I know there's people that don't like him, but I do agree that I think he is overdrafted at some points, but based on pure talent alone, if you just look at the talent and you watch the tape, Joe Mixon is a top five running back in this league. It just hasn't fully translated yet. And it's because of offensive line injuries some inefficient play at quarterback. But, I mean, if he gets A.J. Green healthy, they have T. Higgins now. Tyler Boyd has taken a step forward. Auden Tate had a decent year last year. John Ross is a guy that finally broke out a little bit and is able to stretch the field. If Joe Burrow can at least be efficient, efficient, he doesn't have to be great, doesn't have to put up a ton of volume, but if, if opposing defenses have to just keep an eye on him, Mixon's in for a pretty big year they got to be healthy though that's the biggest thing for them this year
1: so I see all those points they're they're very good points which is why I I think Mixon's a good second round pick that's the thing with Twitter a lot of it just like gets hyperbolized people think because we said Joe Mixon shouldn't be a first round pick we hate Joe Mixon and think you shouldn't draft him at all I just think the damn guy shouldn't go in the first round (laughs) and I feel like because some more because Yards per carry is a flawed stat, but only 4.1 yards per carry. That was a drop from 2018. And like you said, not super involved in the passing game, only caught 35 passes. 10 games had 20 receiving yards or less, which is basically a dud in PPR leagues. Uh, Never surpassed 90 yards rushing last season unless he saw 20 carries or more. Mm -hmm. So unless it was a workhorse-style game, he really wasn't having a huge game for you. And he had three different games where he didn't surpass 30 yards total rushing and receiving. That up and downness of Joe Mixon, kind of Amari Cooper esque, it's it is why I wouldn't want to spend a first round pick on someone like that. In the second round, like you said, there's certainly upside with him. Where some of those things, I I'm sure he's not going to have three games next year where he gets you less than three points like he did this year. But I just I think there's just way too much risk to draft him in the in the seven to twelve range, which he seems to you be going comparing him to every Amari
2: Cooper now. was an excellent comparison. So kudos to that because I like that comparison <laughs> because that's kind of what it felt like last year. Cause that's what Amari Cooper did to us last year. And I've got Cooper hanging up over my shoulder here. <laughs> so he's my boy too. But no, I get it. And I and I understand why those guys can be a little bit risky. And one of the things last year too, like at the beginning of the off season, I was telling people, Hey, Mixon, I, I like it. I like them picking up Jonah Williams. I think he's going to have a good year. As soon as those injuries happen, I started telling people, you got to stay away now. Like his, his ADP in the first round is way too high. So I, if you say I like Mixon, but I'm going to stay away from him in the first round. I'm on board with that. I absolutely get it. Yeah. It, if I'm drafting at the end of the second round and I can grab I mean if I can take if I can take Josh Jacobs, honestly, Josh Jacobs and Joe Mixon to start my draft, and I'm drafting at the end of the first round, I'm good with that. Maybe you go with a Chubb instead, or maybe Kamara slips back in towards the second round if, you know, if if some wide receivers go before him or whatever that's looking like. So in the second round, beginning of the second round though, like I'm not letting him slip past that point. If I get him at the end of the second round, because I drafted like a Barkley in the first, I'm doing backflips and probably knocking my computer (laughs) off because I'm so excited at that point.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely okay with taking him in the back end of the second too. You could definitely, I mean, there the volume makes it worth it, no matter how much we talk about the inefficiencies. I did want to give you a little tidbit because you mentioned about um, Joe Burrow's potential efficiencies this season. Um, The stat we created, true throw values, measures quarterback efficiency based on a fantasy point. Um, based on fantasy points. And over the last two years, quarter uh, rookie quarterbacks, their average true throw value would put them as the 31st best quarterback in the league. Okay. So Joe Burrow, according to that stat, is fighting a hill here, um, trying to be efficient for that all. At
0: least in his rookie season. I'm a, yeah. I'm a Joe Burrow mm-hmm. fan. I, I can see him maybe... Maybe bucking that trend. Um, speaking- no, that's a
2: great stat. And I'm and thank you for sharing that because it's good to hear things like that. Um, you know, it, it's about that offensive line though. If that offensive line can be healthy to begin the year, I, I think that makes all the difference. And I think people just forget about it too much last year when they look at because a lot of people point to the first half of that season and they say, Man, Mixon just didn't do anything, he didn't come on until the second half. And That's because like Michael Jordan, like he had to grow. He was the youngest guy on that roster. That's really hard for a left guard to kind of step in there and and do that. Um, you know, so for him to, to jump in there and grow that quickly, that's great. Now he's going to have Jonah Williams next to him, which is going to help out a lot. That's going to help that backside for Burrow. Uh, you know, I'm really excited back on like the eve of the national championship game. I tweeted, um, that the Bengals offense in 2020 is what we thought the Browns were going to be in 2019. <laughs> and I caught a lot of heat for that, but <laughs> I, cause I, at that time I was like, Oh, Burrow's going to go number one overall at this point. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, but I really like this offense this year and, and we'll just have to see, you know, Burrow's going to have to be good. If he comes out and he's a dud and he is around 31, then that, yeah, that's going to cause some problems, but I think I'm just going to bet on it. I've got a gut feeling. I've got a lot here that tells me that that Mixon's on the cusp, he just has to have a healthy offensive line and he's got to continue to have the volume.
0: So you mentioned that taking Josh Jacobs and Joe Mixon in the back end of that first round, something that you'd be happy with. Um, Who's a guy that you feel like is being undervalued in those first few rounds that you really that you were like kind of targeting to go in your drafts to really leave the draft because I know for me, I have one guy every year that I'm trying to leave the draft with every single mm-hmm. time. I mean, you can't when you're doing like twenty thirty drafts like like we do because we're crazy. Um but who's a guy that you're trying to leave drafts with? uh, in the first couple of rounds this year that may be under some radars?
2: Yeah, for me, I mean, if we're talking about running backs, you know, Leonard Fournette is a guy that I'm still not completely off of at this point. Um, there are concerns because Chris Thompson is there now. Um, so there are concerns that potentially that's going to cause some issues in the passing game where a lot of his volume picked up last year, but For me, you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of a guy that I'm like, all right, if I can get him like at the beginning of the third round, if I decided to go a little bit balanced, maybe went wide receiver, running back, running back, wide receiver, whatever it may be, um, that's one guy that I'm kind of looking at in that third round. Another guy that I absolutely have to have in terms of wide receivers this year, Kenny Galladay. I have to have Kenny Galladay. I want him as many places I can get him. I'm willing to take him in the second round if that's what it costs to get him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he's in for a big year with Stafford back. Um, I haven't done anything on him yet in terms of like video or content because I've got a lot. I'm just I'm saving it for a little bit closer to the season. I'm kind of holding on to some goods right now, but I really like Kenny Galladay. He's another guy I have to have this year.
1: Pretty funny that you talk about Leonard Fournette because this is a sleeper bust episode and I was just talking about how Leonard Fournette is likely someone I'm not going to touch at all if his ADP doesn't change just because the volume and the volume that he saw last year I just don't think the production really matched that volume for him to see that much volume again like he was the ninth running back in half PPR last year he was completely healthy was top 10 in touches saw a hundred targets like that's Double what he saw his first couple of years in the league, if not more, and I just I don't think he was good enough to warrant that much. And now you say Chris Thompson is well likely going to steal some work if he's ever on the field, though. That's Chris Thompson, something you got to be really wary about. But they also just declined his fifth-year option. Like they just said, Leonard, thanks for your time, but we're getting you out of here. Yep. And and it just none of his like advanced metrics say that there's anything really under the table that no one's seeing to really say that he's going to shine. So I'm, he's just someone. It seems like the Jaguars just don't really want him anymore. So I'm kind of staying away from him at the moment. And that's, and I, and I get that. And at any
2: minute too, they could, they could cut ties with him. And we've basically seen that for like two or three years now, it just seems like at any time for could just be out the door and they're done with him. Um, and I don't think that's changed. I mean, we could get towards the trade deadline this year and they could move him out the door at any point. Um, the, the one thing that I'm looking at, though, is I'm kind of spinning that back the other direction and saying they've declined his fifth-year option. They don't plan on keeping him, so they're going to run him into the ground That's this year. That's a good, point. It's a good they're, point. They're going to use him because they're not going to have to worry about him after that. That might not end up happening either. That's just kind of my positive glass half full spin with it and why I'm kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, but the other thing, too, even if he loses some of those receptions, even if he loses some of those targets, I think he's going to get more touchdowns. I mean, he only had three touchdowns last year. If he had seven touchdowns, if he had four more touchdowns last year, we're having a completely different conversation right now about Leonard Fournette because he finishes more towards the middle of running back ones last year. So I definitely think that could end up changing it a little bit too. And yes, the Jaguars defense is going to be awful. I mean, we've got him ranked at like 31 in our draft guide right now. So we don't have any, we don't have any positive thoughts about that defense this year. So yeah, probably a lot of Chris Thompson, but at the beginning of those games, when you're still in it, your best players are on the field and Leonard Fournette is better than Chris Thompson. And I've been a Chris Thompson guy in the past when he was with Washington. So I've got nothing against him, but Leonard Fournette is still going to be on the field an awful lot to begin with. So as long as he gets you maybe three receptions in the first half and one in the second half, that could be enough that even though he doesn't get some of that passing volume, those touchdowns kind of offset it. He finishes as a high running back too this year. That's why kind of in that third round, I'm okay with it. If he creeped into that second at any point, I'm off of it at that, at that point. But um, kind of that mid to late third round, if I need a running back, you could make worse choices, I think.
1: That's fair. It's like the, the Love Bell treatment when he was in pit just the last year, just run him to the ground. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I'm not I'm I'm with you more than Michael on the Leonard Fournette train because it's like the Joel Mixon argument. When you're arguing inefficiencies at some point, volume is still there and volume mm-hmm. leads to fantasy points. So I do feel more comfortable taking someone in the third round who is volume based. So I'm with you there. Uh, you touched on how you love Kenny Galladay this season. Uh, Matt Stafford, when healthy last season, was in the top five in efficiency and true throw value. So I wanted to know how you feel about Galladay's counterpart, who can get a lot cheaper, Marvin Jones.
2: Oh, I have a ton of Marvin Jones staff right here next to me. <laughs> nice. So Perfect that you ask about him. Um, yeah, from week one through week nine last year, which was when Stafford was injured, wide receiver 21 in points per game. So, I mean, they were on pace to be, you know, wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos with Galladay and Jones right next to him. Uh, and not only that, but one thing you know for people listening who maybe don't watch the Lions, unfortunately, as much as I do. I mean, it's it's not much to watch, but when you do watch it, it's you know it's great, I guess. Um, last year, Marvin Jones had the third fewest yards of separation. He only had two point one yards of separation, but Marvin Jones makes spectacular catches. The dude high points the ball. He can come down with it, and when you have Kenny Galladay and you have TJ Hawkinson back and healthy this year, and you've added DeAndre Swift, Marvin Jones is going to see himself some one-on-one action this year, and I'll put him one-on-one. I'll take him one-on-one against a majority of cornerbacks in the league. Yeah, there's some cornerbacks that are definitely going to beat him, but the dude can go get the ball. He also has uh, 27 uh, receiving touchdowns since he joined the Lions in 2016. That's tied for the sixth most. Um, and then, uh, 9.14 yards per target during that time as well, which is the 14th highest with anyone that has at least 200 targets. So I, I like him where his value is. Um, you know, I don't love rostering a ton of wide receivers from the same team, but if I have to have Galladay and later on, I'm like, I'll take Marvin Jones because he's there and he's good value. I'll still run with it. Cause if there's some reason Kenny Galladay goes down, then I'm, then I'm not scrambling to find a wide receiver one. Because Marvin Jones becomes a wide receiver one at that point because they have plenty of weapons there. And they have Danny Amendola in the slot. Danny Amendola is another guy that you still have to keep an eye on. So they've got a lot of weapons this year. I wrote an article for our Patreon members a couple weeks ago about what the Lions feel like to me right now. And I hate setting expectations for the Lions because they're so bad. And anytime I have an expectation, they (laughs) blow it. They blow it up and it doesn't We're work. We're Jets
1: fans, so we understand.
2: Yes. Okay. So, yeah, you get it. Um, you know, I told uh, you know I told our Patreon members that there is a very Chiefs-esque feeling to the Lions this year on how they're going to run the offense. Not the weapons they have. I'm not comparing them weapons-wise. I'm not saying Stafford is Mahomes or Galladay is, is Hill or anything like that. Um, but just the way it feels with how they utilize Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field because they have all these weapons everywhere. And then all of a sudden you've got Travis Kelsey open in all this space. Same thing is going to happen with TJ Hawkinson this year. They're going to have Swift, who's a much more dynamic playmaker out of the backfield. Jones and Galladay can both stretch the field at any point in time. So you're going to have guys flying all over the place. They have to try to keep an eye on. I ran out my projections and for the first time ever, I picked the Lions to win the central or to, to win the oh, normal. Never Ooh. done that before. <laughs> Spicy ever. And I did
1: it at nine and seven, and I about passed out. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say though, if you could get Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones in like a best ball league, you mm-hmm. might have like the number one overall receiver if you put together all their boom weeks. Yep. So yeah, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah. Would be and great. and I I think it says a lot for Stafford being healthy. They didn't draft a quarterback, and I was not on board with it. If they would have drafted two, I would have lost it on. <laughs> Cause we live streamed the first night of the draft. I lost it last year live on YouTube when they drafted Hawkinson. I would have done the same thing again this year, but they didn't even take a guy later on either. So Stafford, Stafford's good to go. And yeah. even if he's selling his house in Detroit, he's not going anywhere.
0: So um, speaking of selling um, big items, uh, there are also statistically, uh, we go over this every year, statistically out of the top 12 guys in the first round, seven of them are going to pan out and five of them are going to be busts, whether it's because of injury, whether it's because it just doesn't meet expectations. Um, Who's a guy that you're looking for, not even necessarily in the first round, but in the early going that you're just like staying away from and you're like, this guy is just not going to be on any of my squads.
1: Besides Joe Mixon, of course, besides Joe Mixon. Um, (laughs) It's
2: DeAndre Hopkins right now for me. And I know that not a lot of people agree with that. But I get I, I get the feeling of Odell Beckham Jr. and the Browns last year. and I was, and we hyped up the Browns. trust me, we we ate that one all season long, watching them go, except for Nick Chubb. That one worked out fine. But that he's going to a team that again, second year quarterback, same system as Baker Mayfield, kind of comparable in some ways, shape and form and I know people are kind of off Baker Mayfield right now, but what if Kyler Murray does have that sophomore slump and and the same way as Baker Mayfield did just has some trouble spreading the ball around. What if that offensive line is so bad that they just can't give him enough time. You still have Larry Fitzgerald there, who he has a good connection with. You still have Christian Kirk there who he has a good connection with. You've got Kenyon Drake in the backfield who can definitely take some receptions and targets out of the backfield. Who he has a connection with? He's worked with all these guys already, and we're at a really weird time right now in life and in sports, where some of these guys haven't had a chance to work out. So I don't know how much I don't know how much Hopkins and Murray have gotten a chance to work out together, if at all. And if that happens, and we don't have a training camp, we don't have OTAs, stuff like that, or they're slimmed down, whatever it may be that could end up causing some issues. And that's why I'm just kind of staying away from it because for the first time really ever, unless there's a ton of injuries, there's always going to be a second and or third wide receiver on that team that can do good things. With the Texans, it was really only Will Fuller. Um, I like Kiki QT, but he's just never been healthy. But the same thing with Will Fuller. When he's on the field, he's really, really good. But then he's gone for it seems like all the time And then Hopkins is there to take all of that volume, and he's just always been a volume hog, always, always, always. If it's not there this year and he's just not nearly as efficient, maybe he has a year like OBJ had last year where he still gets around 1,000 yards, but maybe he doesn't get nearly the touchdowns. Maybe he finishes as more of like a wide receiver too. And if you spend a first-round pick on that, it it feels a little trappish to me that that can end up happening.
1: Talking about the true values, uh, we also have true target values for wide receivers, and I, in the true value report, an article that I uh, write, DeAndre Hopkins was someone I talked about in the first article, and I agree, I, I'm not really looking at him in the first round this year. There's still the high, like, there's still the very high floor, but I don't know if the ceiling is quite as high as it was with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but and the, the, being... people
2: are just so excited about him right now, too, I mean... Yeah, Michael Thomas is going to come off the board first for wide receivers this year every single time, unless you've got some funky settings or whatever it may be. (laughs) But, you know, you've got kind of Adams, Hill, Jones, and Godwin kind of in that area right now, right after Thomas. There's going to be people who are still going to take Hopkins as the wide receiver too. And to do that, you'll have to take him in the first round. Mm -hmm. If people go with Adams, Hill, Jones, and Godwin first, and you get him more mid to late second, Maybe a little bit different story at that point, but I don't know if that happens. I think people are too excited about the Cardinals offense.
1: Keeping with the sleeper bust theme here, rookies tend to be busts more often than not. People just get hyped up over rookies. (laughs) I mean, we saw Daryl Henderson going in like the third, fourth round at points last off season, and it just gets a little nuts sometimes. But then you get the Nick Chubbs who start off in the background and come up and bam, you have a huge – weapon for the playoffs same with A.J. Brown last season is there a specific rookie that you're looking at who you think could have a Nick Chubb A.J. Brown impact for a fantasy team this year it's Anthony McFarlane for me
2: I absolutely love this kid in that Steelers offense and I did I we actually dropped a video today on Juju Smith-Schuster and whether whether or not he would bounce back so I've been kind of digging into that offense a little bit but this is really the first time that they've had like a true speedster type player out of the backfield. I mean, Bell was great, but he wasn't that type of guy. Connor's been good, but he's not that type of guy. Benny Snell's definitely not that type of guy. Um, and, And you know, you've got Jalen Samuels there too, but, You know, with that video, one of the things we talked about. So, uh, you know, Doctor Ethan Turner. You guys probably talked to him a little bit on Twitter or have seen him and some of the work he does. We brought him in this year to kind of be our our doctor, our health expert on fantasy football, and he did a video on Ben Roethlisberger uh, and about that elbow and what he might be coming back from. Um, And I think we could see this move to a more of a balanced offense. Because they do have four running backs now, that can really take a lot of touches and really help out and do different things dynamically. But out of that group, Anthony McFarlane is by far the one that when he touches the ball, he can go to the house every single time. All it's going to take is for Connor to miss one game, McFarlane to step in, and all of a sudden you've got a guy that's taking touches out of the backfield, both in targets and running the football. So he is one guy that I absolutely want to walk away with late in drafts because I'll hold him for a few weeks, even to start the season, even if Connor's healthy, even if McFarland isn't doing anything, I'm still going to hold him because he's a different type of back than what they have. And he could easily just surpass Connor. If Connor has to miss any time.
0: Kyle Richardson, thank you so much for joining us today on the real recognize real hotline. Um, tell them where to find you, man.
2: Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at K Rich 1532. And then the majority of the work you're going to find on YouTube at The Fantasy Headliners.
0: Thank you so much again for joining us with one of our favorite channels, The Fantasy Headliners. So, everyone, make sure to go check that out. Um, yeah, so, Kyle Richardson, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be talking to you. Thanks,
1: Thanks, Kyle. Thanks,
0: Kyle. Thank you again to Kyle Richson for joining us on The Real Recognized Real Hotline. Um, some hot takes came through on the hotline with some hot takes. Um, you know I like it, man. I like it too, man. The guy the, I like
1: people he, who back up what they say.
0: The guy knows you what he's talking he, about.
1: Yeah, you could tell he understands why he thinks the way he does. He doesn't just get angry at people on Twitter and <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> one of the he's one of the good ones. He's one yeah. of the good
0: ones. Well, that's that's who we re- that's who we invite on the real recognize real hotline. The fantasy community on Twitter is a very hostile one, I must say. <laughs> For something that's like as fun as fantasy football, like you know what it is cuz testosterone is involved. Everyone wants to be the best. And, uh, you know, when you're a guy like Kyle Richardson and you just have the confidence that you are one of the best, you just back up your claims just like we do. We're just confident we're one of the best. That's why we just back our shit up with stats. Um, oh, Tim. Oh, Tim. If you want to see, <laughs> see us on uh, Twitter backing up our stats, where can they find you, Mike?
1: At Brodo FF Mike. Jason? At Brodo FF Jason.
0: And you can find me, of course, at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. At Brodo Fantasy on Twitter, and you can find us brotofantasy dot for everything. Michael just dropped a new article um, about this, his second look into true values and what they mean for the upcoming twenty twenty season. So please check that out. Also, have a new article dropping soon in the Jake's high stakes takes. High stakes takes. Bam! Stakes. I got it. I did it. I did it. I want to say Jake's hot stakes takes for some reason. Like hot stakes doesn't even make sense. Um, high high stakes. Takes by Jake. Bam! About a bada boom. About a bada bang. Um, also, please join our Patreon. patreoncom slash fantasy. We want to thank the patrons, the patrons that are here for us every single week. Um, we could not do this without you, and we really appreciate your support even through the off season. We've retained so many patrons this off season, and it's really a testament to you guys. And um,
1: listen, we did not know when we started our Patreon that we would need all of this equipment to not record in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so it's been amazing having this equipment, which the patrons helped us purchase and record with
0: having the equipment, um, setting up a, a situation, uh, a little look behind the scenes, setting up a situation where we could actually get the money and not be personally taxed. We have to set up a, a business. So um, helping us set up a business, helping us get equipment, helping us um, do this from remote locations and in quarantine. We hope everyone is staying healthy and happy and safe. Uh, yeah. So with that being said, we bid you Um Our sleepers and bus episode, one thing for sure. Brodo fans, football fans, you guys never bust. Always sleepers. We love you guys. See you soon.
1: Later, later.